Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. are going. It's obvious how mine are going. I don't know what it is. Every year when I enter this time of prayer and fasting, the Lord just starts tearing me uh, down, and I just get raw, and um, my emotions come out, and uh, I think it's a good thing. It's funny. If I can just be transparent, I really felt like the Lord really challenged me in this week that that, uh, I avoid my emotions too much, and I, I don't mean that in a you know, you can be emotional in a bad way, right? But I think sometimes I feel things instead of feeling them and going through them and letting God use them to move me and make me something better, I try to shut it off and deny the process. And sometimes we've got to allow God to take us through a process and take us through some things. Because we're not to live by our feelings, but our feelings identify in us maybe some things that need to change or some things that we need to embrace, Right? Uh, last year, uh, I read this book, Lovable. I'm sorry, this is the message before the message. Um, last year, I read this book, Lovable, and one of the revelations that I received from that book was this, is that our anger, right? We're always told, you know, don't let your anger out. Don't let your anger out. Suppress your anger. And you know what? There's appropriate anger and there's inappropriate anger, right? But a lot of times, our anger pinpoints for us things that God has put in us that we're passionate about. So if you see an injustice and it makes you angry, God has wired you that way, so you'll do something about the injustice. And in that place, that anger is good. Does that make sense? And um, so uh, I guess what I'm saying is that for me right now, where I'm at in this, the 21 days of prayer and fasting is that God's revealing some things in me by about what I get emotional about. And I guess what he just revealed to me is how much I love this community. Just love this group of people. And I think sometimes we take each other for granted. And we forget what a beautiful thing we have. So, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm going to turn this off and get to the message. Um, If you're watching online, I'm sorry I get this way sometimes. Um, but we're glad that you're with us, too, and that you're part of our family. And uh, as you did a couple of weeks ago, keep loving on each other like you were. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, I hope that you all got your Fresh Start book. Did everybody get a Fresh Start book? Does anybody have one with them handy? I see one right over here. I'm just going to snag your Fresh Start book. I'll give it right back. Did everybody get a copy of Fresh Start? If you didn't get a copy of Fresh Start, stop by. Um, River Central on your way out. Grab one. We're giving it to everybody this year. And I'm taking and basing the first series of the, the year on that book. And, and uh, I've read the whole thing cover to cover. And I'm taking out some key lessons that I found in the book to teach on. And so that's where we're going today is we're going to teach one of the key lessons out of that book. And um, so if you want this morning, you can open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 17, 
And uh, that is towards the back of your Bible. If you're, if you're new, you could probably go to the back and come forward versus start in the front and go back. Yeah, you get there a lot quicker. Um, but Galatians 5.17, and if you don't have your Bible, they'll put it on the skyble behind me, um, up on the monitors. But Galatians 5.17 says this. It says, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary or in opposition to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Well, thank you, Pastor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you that all of your word is profitable to us that it challenges us, it changes us, it establishes us in righteousness, that it transforms our life. And Father, I pray this morning that we would gain revelation of this battle that is explained here of the flesh and the spirit being at odds with each other. And Father, I just thank you for this incredible community of people that you've brought together. I ask you to bless them and bless our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I will never forget uh, when my dad was teaching me how to drive stick shift. Now, my dad wasn't the most patient man, and uh, so you can imagine that wasn't a real good combination. And uh, one of my earliest memories of childhood uh, was when I was about three or four, And uh, my grandpa had this old yellow Chevy farm truck. And um, it was after harvest. And uh, I was sitting on my grandpa's lap in that old pickup. And he was letting me steer. Now, I wasn't driving because I couldn't reach the pedals. He was running the the gas and the the brake for me. But I was, you know, I was just up there. And I was driving. And it was an empty field. So it didn't matter where I went. We were just out there just bouncing around the field. and, And it was great. But uh, I have to say that uh, my memory of learning to drive stick with my dad's not that good. Um, it, was a, it was a rather frustrating experience. And, and the thing is, is I, I had been driving for years. You know, when you grow up in a farm town, you know, you just drive stuff. But somehow I had never driven a stick shift. And the nice thing about a tractor is once you put it in gear, it's in gear. You don't typically shift a tractor. At least the tractors we had, you didn't shift. Now they have automatic transmissions and stuff. But... Um, so I, I wasn't inexperienced at driving things, but a stick shift and getting the clutch and the gas down, uh, it proved to be, uh, rather challenging. And you know what it's like, right? The, who, who can drive a stick shift in here? Yeah. Those of you who have never driven a stick shift, you need to learn. You need to learn. It'll make you appreciate an automatic transmission a lot. Yeah. You got to find one first. That's true. And uh, you really need to experience driving a stick shift on a heel, on a heel, on a hill. I don't know why I go southern every once in a while, but it happens on a heel. <laughs> but you need to learn. <laughs> I don't know why that happens. But sometimes you need, to, you, know, you need to experience that. And really what you need to experience is the fear of somebody pulling right up behind you on a hill when you're driving a stick shift. And you haven't driven one for a very long time. And the terror of, oh my gosh, if I don't get this right, I'm going to roll right back into this person. Well, I experienced that fear just in learning how to drive stick shift with my dad. Because my dad was fairly, a fairly intense guy. And uh, 
you know, he thought something should just come easy and natural, and uh, it, it didn't come natural or easy for me. Um, that was actually my very awkward phase of life. Um, I don't know, you might also think I'm still in that awkward phase, but, but um, it, was, it was tough. It was tough learning how to drive stick shift, and, and I'll never forget the words of wisdom that, that came out of my dad's mouth. He said, you drive the car. Don't let the car drive you. What? What does that mean, right? Right? But, but that's how it feels sometimes when you're learning how to drive stick, right? Like you're not really in control, and you're trying to find control. Did you know that getting a fresh start spiritually or in any other aspect of life can feel a lot like that? Right? It feels like you're trying to find control, but it's elusive, and you can't, you can't quite get it. And, and Galatians 5.17 kind of talks about that, right? It, in, in saying that, you know, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are, these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you do. Have you ever experienced that? You, you really want to do one thing, but you just feel like you're pulled to, to do another thing. Right? Like for me... Oh, you're going to love this during 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's pepperoni, black olive, mushroom pizza. Right? My flesh says, have one more piece. But how many of you know you can have a lot of one more pieces? Right? Where on the inside, I know, no two's enough. No three's enough. Four's enough. Five's enough. Six is enough. Well, there's only one piece left. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) See, we can find ourselves wanting to do things after we've had a fresh start and and not do them. Even the Apostle Paul talked about this and and the struggle in in saying, the things I I want to do, I I, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I, I do. Am I the only one that, that has experienced this turmoil, right? You, know, you, just, you just feel this, this pulling. And see, what happens with us is, you know, we get a fresh start. and we, we talked about the fresh start in Jesus as we celebrated communion last week. We get the fresh start in Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus talked about it with, Laz- with Lazarus being born again. That we're, you know, we're born again. God regenerates us. We start, our spirit man comes alive. But, but in that instant, you know, we do see a change, our desires change, but it doesn't change that fight, does it? Right? You accept Jesus, and for a long time, I think a lot of people have, you know, portrayed, oh, you know, you come to Jesus and it's all going to work out. Yeah. Okay, it's been about 30 years for me now. It's not all worked out. There's been some struggles in the process, right? I didn't accept Jesus and everything in my life changed. Some things took some time. Some things took some struggle. Some things felt and looked a lot like Galatians 5.17, being pulled one way and another way. See, it's this battle between the flesh and the spirit that causes us not to do what we want to do. And if we're honest, if we're truly honest, we all sense that. And you may not be sensing it right now, but there's, there's times when you, when you sense it. And, 
and it really doesn't matter what kind of fresh start you're making, right? You can sense that, that battle of I'm moving in the direction I want to be, but I feel the pull back in another direction. You experience the, you know, what we call sometimes the old man or the old us warring against the new man or the new us. And we feel that, feel that pull. It kind of feels like, hey, this is perfect. i got three young men right in the second row. Luke, Lucius, Zach, sermon illustration. Come on. See, come here. We'll use Zach as the middle guy. Luke, you come here. So grab one of Zach's arms. Like, I mean, really grab it, not his hand. I mean, grab his arm. Like, grab it. Really grab his arm. Grab his arm. So Galatians 5.17 tells us that the spirit wars against the flesh. And so we're going to let you be the spirit. We're going to let you be the flesh. And so what happens is pull, pull, pull on Zach and, and pull on him. But seriously, pull on him. Pull on him. Come on, pull on him. Pull on him like it. You mean it. Come on. Would you guys pull on him? Come on, pull on him, right? We, this is what it feels like. And we're in this, this place where we feel the spirit and the flesh war against each other. But did you know that this isn't the only thing that's going on? That there's another part in this process that will actually decide whether the flesh wins or the spirit wins. And that's the important part. Sit down, guys. Thank you so much. Can we give him a hand? As the rest of you say, I'm not sitting on the second row ever. (laughs) See, there's a third force at work, and we find that third force in Romans chapter 12. And to be honest, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is probably one of my favorite verses in, in the Bible. I know I say that a lot. I have lots of favorite verses. But I want to start at verse 1 because I think sometimes we read verse 2 without reading verse 1 and we miss some important things. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, that means I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I love the way 12 starts. And I don't know why it never hit me like this before, but it really hit me this way this week. Here we have Paul, who is the the person who wrote the book of Romans, that God inspired him to write this. And what he says is, I beg of you. I beg of you, please, please pay attention. This is super important. I beg of you by the mercies of God. Do you hear it? Do you hear the importance? This is so important, church. This is what he's saying. It's so important. Please, please. I mean, this is Paul. Paul was not a beggar. Okay, Paul was not the kind of guy to go, come on, come on, come on. But here he's saying, please. Please, I beg of you, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a big deal to Paul. It's a big deal. He's saying, please, please, 
Get this revelation. Church, I'm saying this morning, as your pastor, please, please get this revelation this morning. This revelation has the ability to transform every single area of your life, that your life changes and transforms in ways that you can't imagine. In fact, this word transformation here comes from the root word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. And the picture that we're given is a total and complete transformation in being from one thing to another. The picture that we're giving is a caterpillar, a worm, to a beautiful butterfly. That's the picture. Your life will be so radically transformed that you don't even look like yourself anymore. That's the picture. And Paul's begging. Please, church, get this. Get this. Get this revelation. Please, he's saying, please be transformed. Go from what you were to something so much better. Go from what you are to something so much better. Be completely changed and transformed. And how does he say that we're completely changed and transformed? He says it happens by the renewing of our mind. The renewing of our See, when you accept Jesus, when you decide that you're going to follow Jesus, when you say, I'm going to be a Jesus follower, your spirit, okay, the part of you that will live forever, your spirit person is radically changed. And you know this happens because you experience your desires changing. All of a sudden, the things you once wanted, you don't want anymore. The things you wanted to do, you don't want to do anymore. Now, a lot of times, we still do those things. Why? Because our flesh, right, the part of us that we see, the part of us that is where the the sinful nature rests and roots itself deep, it wants to do contrary to God. That's the piece that says, one more piece of pizza. It's the piece that says, one more drink. It's the piece that says, hey, take a look at that. It's the piece of, of us that says, you know what? It'll be okay. I'll start again tomorrow. It's the part of us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's the part of us that says, God's mercies are new every day. So I can mess up today and the mercies will be new tomorrow. That's the flesh part. And Galatians tells us that the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. But then Paul tells us in Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, our spirit man has already been transformed. Your flesh is not going to be transformed. Your flesh is going to become worm food. But there is a part of you that's transformed. And it says here, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is transformed. Your mind is where your soul rests. It is your mind. It is your will. It is your intellect. And Paul is saying, be renewed in your soul, in your mind, in your mind, your will, your intellect, be renewed. So transformation takes place when our soul, our mind, our intellect comes in alignment with our spirit. Come here, you three wonderfully good-looking young men. Come on. 
again. Yes, again. Go ahead and grab a hold of him. You guys know what to do. See, what happens is this. Is our, our flesh is always going to lead us away from the things of God. It's going to lead us to the things that just feel good and not necessarily the things that really benefit us. Okay, six piece of pepperoni pizza, right? Your spirit, man, is always going to lead you towards the things of God. It's always going to lead you towards the things of God, the word. It's going to lead you to be strong and, and, and resilient and to forgive and to walk in love. But your mind or your soul, your intellect, your will, the part that Paul says is renewed, it makes the decision. See, so you don't have to live in the back and forth. You can say, shut up, flesh. You can let go. You're about to get hurt. And you can say, I'm going to partner in my mind with my spirit. Now, I know there's some guys in here, you were scrappers, you threw down a time or two when you were maybe younger or maybe last week, but what typically happens when there's two against one? Somebody loses, right? The same is true with us. When our mind comes in alignment with our spirit, our flesh loses, But the contrary happens as well. When our mind, come here, let go, Lucius, comes in line with our flesh, our spirit man loses. This part makes the decision. That is why, you guys can sit down, can we give it up for these guys? That is why Paul is so passionate here. He's saying, the transformed life that you desperately want and you really want, I beg of you, it's available. You can make it happen, but it's going to take you renewing your mind. And when your mind becomes renewed and it partners with your spirit, man, what you are capable of goes off the charts. But the same is true with your flesh. I mean, have you ever wondered, have you ever seen someone and their whole life just falls apart? They're just just a wreck. And it grieves you. You hear of a heinous crime that somebody has committed. It's like, how could they ever do that? You know what it is? It's allowing the mind to be in alignment with the flesh long enough that you make decisions you forever regret. See, my prayer for all of us is that we would never be here because all of us are capable. We're all capable. Okay, when we look at someone and, and they've really messed up, we need to realize, you know what, but by the grace of God, there go we because we are capable. If our flesh fully rules and dominates us, and we bring our mind in alignment with our flesh, we could be in the same spot. We could be in the same spot. Oh, no, no, pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the same is true on the spiritual side. 
you see those spiritual giants and you think, man, I would love to be like them. You see the people that are cheating more than you ever dreamed possible. Oh, I would love to be like them. Guess what? Get your mind in alignment with the things of God in you by the Spirit, and you will move to that place. In fact, (laughs) Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 12. And I can't tell you how many times I've read the Gospels and I never saw it before. But as I've been reading this year, this verse just jumped out at me. So Matthew 12, 33 through 37. This is, these are the words of Jesus. This is red. If you have a red letter edition Bible, these, these words are in red. In other words, this is Jesus speaking. And this is what he says. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. How do we know a tree by its fruit, right? I mean, I've talked about this. I can walk out into an orchard because I was raised around it, and I can look at certain trees, not all trees. Now, Nick could do this really well because he's a tree guy, but you can walk, you can, I can walk into certain orchards and say, okay, well, this is an apple tree, and this is a this is a peach tree, this is a plum tree because of the way it looks without there being fruit on it. I can look at the leaves, I can look at the bark, I can look at the structure of the tree, and there's certain ones I can pick out, okay? But most of us are not like that. We got to see the fruit to know what kind of tree it is, okay? And Jesus is saying a tree is known by its fruit. See, we're all known by our fruit. We're known by what we produce, what pops out of us, Okay, what's what, you know, what's dangling, you know, is it an apple? Is it an orange? What is it? What comes out of us? We're known by our fruit. Then he goes on in verse 34 and he says, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. And that's a really good sign just to go, right? Every idle word. That's kind of scary. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. You know what your words are? They're simply your fruit. Your words are your fruit. You produce words, and those words identify what kind of tree you are. I'll give you a perfect example. This is a really easy one. Ever known someone who's negative all the time? Guess what? Their words are producing the fruit that they got a negative heart. You ever know somebody that, that talks about how great they are all the time, right? And we just tend to not like this, right? Oh, they're prideful, they're arrogant. No, you know what? They're just talking about what they believe about themselves, the fruit. They're confident in themselves, right? I mean, okay, you all look at me like a cow at a new gate this morning, right? You guys don't know what that means, do you? When a cow encounters a new gate, the, the gate the cow's never seen before, the cow kind of goes, 
I've never seen that before. Never mind. Sorry. Thank God I'm a country boy. Anyway. Uh, um, yeah, there's probably a better example than that. But anyway. Yeah, I can't think of one right now. But here's the deal. I totally lost my track train of thought. I got, went offline with that. Anyway. Thank you. Help, help, help me, help me, help me. Anyway, but our words, our words are really the fruit of our life. What comes out of it says the fruit. And a lot of times we took, look at people who speak very confidently about themselves and their abilities, and we think, oh, you know, oh, they're prideful. You know what? No, not necessarily. Now, there are some people who are. But you know what? If you approach things like you can and you speak like you can, you will. But if you approach things like you can't and you speak like you can't, you won't. I mean, a perfect example is while Zach was home, um, Zach loves to work out. So Zach made me work out. He did. He made me work out. And he's still checking on his dad because his dad needs to work out. But the first couple of times we went to the gym, He'd load something up. I'd look at him, I can't do that. He goes, oh, Dad, you can do it. No, I don't think I can. He goes, oh, you can do it, Dad. All right, if you say I can do it, I can do it. Right? And the amazing thing is, is when I changed my mind and my mouth to align with what he said I could do, I could do it. When I didn't align my mind and my mouth with what he said I could do, I couldn't. See, we need to realize that the things that we speak really are producing fruit that that fruit then we can identify so that we know what's going on. And Jesus here is saying, right, that out of the the abundance of the heart, we produce fruit. But see what, I want to show you something. This, This is my LOL Jesus mug that my sister Kathy got me. Kath, if you're watching, I love this mug. It's a great big mug. I can't wait till the fast is over. I can fill it with coffee. You all know what this is, right? It's an apple. It's a piece of fruit, right? And we produce fruit, and this obviously came off of a peach tree, right? No, it came off an apple tree, <laughs> right? Because it's an apple. See, what we tend to do is we tend to look at the fruit and go, I don't like that fruit. I don't want to produce that fruit. So I'm going to change the fruit. Ever done this? You're like, mm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change that. I'm not going to get angry. Even though you're really ticking me off right now, right? See what we try to do? Uh, you're going to like this. It's an orange. Really, it's an orange. I've changed. I've changed. See? And we try to force ourselves to change the fruit. But can I tell you, 
as a, as a farmer or an orchardman or whatever you want to call a guy that's got trees planted that produces fruit, he can come out to that tree every day and say, you're an orange tree. No, it's an apple tree. You're going to produce oranges. You're going to produce, no, it's going to produce apples. And you know what? He can go out there and he can change the color of the fruit. In fact, he can buy a, a million oranges and peel them like I did this one and wrap them around the apples. The apples are going to stay apples because, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, cleaning crew, I'm about to make a mess. I didn't think this through. Sorry. I also got to go to the dry cleaner now. In the core of an apple is a seed. And the only way this fruit is ever going to be something different is if we change the core of what it is. See, we can wrap it. We can call it something else. We can spray paint it orange. Right, we can spray paint it yellow and call it a lemon. We can do a million different things. Thank you. You know what? I'm going to set the apple over here. I'm going to take that for me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See, we've got to change what's in the core. And Paul got on this when he got to Romans 12. This is why he begged and said, please get a revelation of this. See, the way we change the fruit of our life is not focusing on changing the fruit of our life. The way we change the fruit of our life is we focus on changing the core of what's in us. And how do we change the core of what's in us? We renew our mind to come in line with what God has already done in our spirit. And too many times, we try to force it instead of cooperate with it. And we cooperate with it by renewing our minds. See? Oh, I'm totally blew past that point already. See, Jesus says it this way. He says, things flow flow out of your heart. They flow out of your heart. They flow out of your heart. If we were to hop in a bunch of cars right now and drive up to Lucky Peak Reservoir, we could go to the bottom of the reservoir, and there's water flowing out of the reservoir, right? Right? And the water that's flowing out of that reservoir flows out of that reservoir by nature of what's in the reservoir. So if it's in the reservoir, it's going to flow out of the reservoir. But how do we change what's in the reservoir? We change what flows into the reservoir. See, Paul is saying renew your minds. He's saying change the flow into your heart. And Jesus is saying because what is in your heart is going to flow out of you. See, so many of us, we wait till what flows out is out and then wrap it 
Right, we put the wrapper on it. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be this, so I'm going to wrap it and make it different. How many of you know, once the water's come out of the reservoir, it's too late to change the water? So what do we do? We change what flows in to the reservoir. See, if you want to change the outflow of your heart, you change the inflow of your heart. And I'm telling you right now, if you want a fresh start, if you want a new beginning, if you want this year to be different, change the inflow and your outflow will change. Stop trying to change the fruit after it's already been produced. Change the source of the fruit and you change the source of the fruit by the inflow that's coming in. That's how you change the fruit. And so many times, I'm telling you, church, so many times I've preached this as, because I get hung up on the whole Romans 12 and the, and Jesus has really given me different revelation here. Or I should say, I should, same but different, I don't know. Here's the deal. So many times we focus on what's in our heart and we say, because Romans 12, if you, if you study it all out, it's all tied to like remodeling something, right? It's tied, if you, if you study it out, take it back to the Greek words and all that stuff that most people don't like to do, but Bible geeks get into it because we think it's exciting. It, <laughs> Is, um, I get more excited about that than, like, football stats. So sorry I'm boring most guys. Anyway, if you study it out, really the picture is it's a remodel. That the transformation process is you recognize there's something here I don't like. So I'm going to tear it out, and I'm going to replace it with something different. Right? But what I realized when I read Matthew is it's all about the flow. It's all about the flow. It's all about the flow. See, sometimes it's not what's, sometimes it's not what's flowing in. Right? So you're not letting the word flow in. You're not letting uh, the, the scriptures flow in. You're not letting good teaching flow in. Right? It's, it's what you're letting, it's not what you're not letting flow in. But sometimes you're producing bad fruit by what you're letting flow in. And this is the big thing that I saw because so many times I thought, okay, i got to recognize what's not right and put the right thing in. Well, sometimes it's not about recognizing the wrong thing and then putting the right thing in. Sometimes it's as simple as cutting off the wrong flow. Oh, you're missing something really good here. See, right now there is stuff flowing into your heart it's causing you to produce bad fruit. And the stuff that's flowing in is overpowering the little word that you're putting in, and so you're not producing fruit. And our tendency when it comes to renewing the mind is our tendency is to say, I just got to put more word in. But I'm here to tell you, you got to change the flow. Yes, please put more word in. Yes, read your Bible more. Yes, listen to good teaching. Yes, go back and listen to all my podcasts because they're really good. But, as importantly, you've got to change the flow. You've got to change the flow. So where you're at right now in life is really the result of everything you've let flow in and out of your heart. So what have you let flow in that you should have stopped up? Right? And if you're in 21 days of prayer and fasting with us, this is a really good time to be asking Jesus some questions and saying, okay, Lord, What's flowing into me? 
what's flowing into me that's affecting what's flowing out of me? I'm just going to tell on myself, and I'm kicking myself in the process because I know this. I know this happens to me. I've talked about it probably 50 times. Is Part of me with the 21 days of prayer and fasting is, is I've cut off news. I've just cut it off. Why? Because I like the news. Or I should say my flesh likes the news. And you know what I realized in just one week of cutting off the news? I mean, I literally deleted the news apps. I say apps because there was more than one. Off of my phone. Because I would wake up, roll over, check the news. Yeah. Ow. And what's amazing is I've cut it off. And all of a sudden, I'm different. It's just been a week. Because all of a sudden... All that that I really don't need to be flowing in is no longer flowing in. I haven't radically changed anything else. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still praying at the beginning of every day. I'm doing the disciplines that I love to do as part of my walk with Jesus. But the one thing that's changed is I said, no, 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 no. We're going to cut that off. And we're going to stop that inflow. And I'm telling you, just stopping that one inflow has caused a change and a transformation to me that my attitude's better. My attitude's better. You know what? Sometimes the inflow comes from somebody you work with. Right? They're always, <laughs> they're always saying bad things about the company you work for or your boss or, you know, <laughs> their spouse and that's coming into you, and it's coming into you, and maybe your marriage would go to another level if you simply said, I'm not going to listen to this guy who trashes his wife all the time because that's flowing in. It's flowing in. Maybe it's the TV shows you watch. And so it flows in, and it flows in, and it flows in, and eventually it's going to flow out. That's what Jesus is saying here. In Matthew, it's a flow. It's going to flow in, and it's going to flow out. And he's saying, out of the evil treasure that is on the inside of you, that's going to flow out. Out of the good treasure that's on the inside of you, it's going to flow out. And, you know, we get hung up on the evil thing, and we want to make it all demonic. But I actually got really crazy and said, okay, that word evil has got to mean something different than what I think it means. So I went and looked it up. But I'm so far off of my notes, i got to go find it. Evil, Greek word. <laughs> Greek words are so hard. Paneros, it's the Greek word paneros. This is what it means. Hurtful in, inf- in effect or influence. The word evil here means hurtful in effect or influence. So what evil is affecting and influencing your heart that you're producing the wrong kind of fruit? What thing is affecting and influencing you in hurtful ways? See, that's the question we need to ask. We need to decide. I'm going to be aware of what's flowing in. I'll tell you right now, one of the best things that I ever do is when I fast media. And when I mean media, I mean all of it. 
Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TV, movies, secular music. When I fast all of it, turn off the radio, I do all of that stuff. It's amazing how all of a sudden I just, I'm different. I sense things differently. I see things differently. Why? Because that's part of my inflow. And so if I want the outflow to be different, I've got to change it. Pastor, are you telling us to go on a media fast? I'm telling some of you to go on a media fast. Some of you need to fast some of the things that have been coming in as a flow into your life because it's affecting you and you're producing fruit. <laughs> and the fruit, <laughs> the fruit, the fruit that it's producing is probably the stuff you've been struggling with a long time. Why I'm always angry? Maybe go check your fruit. Why I'm always lustful? Go check your fruit. Why am I always wanting to eat? Go check the inflow. Check it. Check it. Check the inflow. Because those things have a source. Because your spirit, man, wants to do what's in alignment with the word. Wants to do what God wants you to do. Your flesh, man, wants you to go the opposite direction. But it's your inflow that affects your mind, your soul, that determines what you do. So please, church, stop trying to change the fruit after it's already been produced. Change the inflow, and the fruit will take care of itself. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about River's Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.